first. My name is Rick Grantham. I represent Logos Bible Software. I'm actually the Northern California rep for the company. I live and work out of uh, Roseville near Sacramento. I keep a slide in here so you can see my wife and five kids, three boys and two girls. Um, so I work for Logos now, but my background is mostly in church ministry, and I've been using the software for about 13 years. Logos Bible Software has been around for about 20 now, a company that specializes in Bible study resources based in Bellingham, Washington, um, about 240 employees now in the main office, so it's really grown to be a company that um, has been on the forefront of using technology to study the Bible. When I got introduced to it, like I said, it was kind of like the worst timing ever, because I was actually just finishing up a seminary, so I just purchased all these print books and spent hours and hours learning how to use them, and then as soon as I got introduced to the software, I was amazed at, you know, number one, you know, how much more portable it is to have a library with you on your computer, but two, just how powerful it is, because the power of Logos is really in how it networks all your books together. So, you know, books that you read, thing, information that you get when you're doing Bible study is, is great, but a lot of times it's when I want to sit down and study past scripture, how do I find all the relevant information so I can spend the limited amount of time I have actually reading and processing the material and not have to spend so much time doing everything else. So technology for Bible study, whether it's Logos or some of the other great tools that are out there, and there's lots of them. There's some that are free. There's some that you can pay for. I'm going to be using Logos, obviously, because that's, that's who I work for. But what I'm going to do today is walk, um, walk through a passage of scripture, just showing you some of what uh, technology can do to supercharge your Bible study. It's kind of like a power tool for Bible study. And if you've done anything with tools before, I'm not the most handy guy in my house. I, I have a toolbox and I have you know, the adjustable wrench and the screwdriver, the big set of pliers, and I try to do most of the jobs around the house with just those things, right? And if it goes beyond that, I'm, I'm usually in trouble. But every once in a while you get to one of those jobs where you think, man, if I just had a power tool, you know, I'd be done with this thing by now because instead of spending a lot of time doing screws, you can zip them right in, right? The, the fence in the back of my house got blown down in a storm about a year ago. And that was my excuse to go out and buy the big 18-volt power drill, you know, cordless power drill, so I could put that thing back in. Why? Because, yeah, could I have done it with the tools I had? I could have. But with the right power tool for the job, it became easier. Um, it became more accurate, really, in what I was doing. And in, in some ways, it was almost enjoyable, you know? So I'm hoping that as tech, if, you, if we apply technology to the area of Bible study, it would do some of those things, too, where the task of Bible study would be more exciting and be more enjoyable. You'd be able to maximize limited time that you probably have to get more out of your Bible study. A great verse to say, why have the best tools for Bible study is 2 Timothy 3.16. It just reminds us, every word of Scripture is God-breathed. And you know, some of the tools I'm going to show you help you take apart a passage of Scripture word by word to understand every single word. And you say, man, would I really ever want to do that? Well, if we really trust that Scripture and say every word is inspired by the Holy Spirit, we do, right? We want to know exactly what the Holy Spirit inspired these authors. And this passage also tells us it's all relevant. You know, every word is useful for teaching and correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness, uh, to equip us to be uh, the people that God wants us to be. So let me take a little bit of time just to show you uh, what the software looks like, some of the tools that are, that are set up to help you get into Bible study, build consistency in your reading, and then really dig deep. Because that's, like I said, that's part of the, the idea of having it is so I can 
take the time I do have to dig deeper maybe than I have before. Uh, this is the Logos uh, 4 homepage. It's filled with uh, tools, again, just to help draw more people into Bible study. It actually refreshes every day with passages of scripture, um, graphics from your library, dated devotionals, um, open to today's date. It kind of reads like a Bible study newspaper. You, know, you have a couple uh, pages of it just to say, hey, sometimes people say, I want to study the Bible more, but I never know where to start. Well, you don't have to learn the habit of turning on your computer, right? That's already there. So open up your software, let it put some ideas in front of you to get you going. Um, up on the top here are some great just tools for spiritual growth. You can keep a, a daily prayer list where you can click things off as you pray for them. There's a couple of my, my kids on there. You can record answers to prayers, those kind of things, just to kind of have them in front of you, ready to go. One of the coolest things our software also has is the ability to, to make custom-built reading plans. So you choose the translation you want to read through. Like I said, over 20 English translations. The, the section, it could be read through the Bible in a year. It could be you know, one, one chapter from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Custom build that reading plan, how long you want it to take. Logos builds it for you. And then you can also actually export that plan to Microsoft Outlook if you're using it on a PC or to iCalendar if you use it on the Mac. It'll create appointments for you. So it'll put up a little appointment reminder with a link to say, hey, this is the passage you're supposed to read today. Again, just to help you build consistency, give you another tool to get you into God's Word on a more consistent basis. You can also build reading plans uh, through other books in your library. If there's one downside of an electronic library, you don't actually see the book sitting on the shelf, kind of reminding you you should read it. So, but in Logos, you can be strategic about it and say, hey, if I want to read Pilgrim's Progress in eight weeks, it's a little short book, uh, this tells me exactly what I have to read every single day. And then you'll notice this little red banner right here, if I zoom in. Uh, the software actually plays Holy Spirit a little bit and tells you when you're behind, all right? So until you catch up, it'll, it'll put that red banner on there. But everything in here, there's lots of tools. Like I said, if you're a church that does lectionary readings, those can open every day, ready to go. Um, just uh, slideshows of the books in your library for reminders, reading lists, or actually links to topics that you might want more information on. So everything on this homepage, like I said, just to help build consistency and draw more people in. The real power of the software is in this box right here. Let me kind of back out what was in there. It's, it's too light to see it here, but it actually says enter passage or topic. And then we have this go button on the side. <coughs> That's kind of hard to see too. You can almost see it right there. It says go. We tried to develop the software in such a way that if you can do those two things, you can use the software. So before you walk out and say, that's too complicated for me, if you can enter the passage or the topic you want to study and hit a go button, the software is kind of like having your own team of personal research assistants where you tell them, I want to study this passage. Then they go into your library, pull out all the books that have relevant information, and then take it a step further and they build reports for you so that you can look through the reports. They do a lot of the searching and the filtering for you. You know, we live in a world where people are used to putting something into Google, right, and just getting tons and tons of results. The power of that, yeah, is that I can get all kinds of information. One of the dangers of that is now I've got to filter out all the bad stuff, right? The stuff that's not relevant or the stuff that's not specifically, you know, I don't know what the source of some of the stuff is that's coming back when I put a passage of scripture in there. So with a, a Logos library, you're working with the library that you put together filled with the scholarly published works that you want to draw from. But here's a good example. You notice I put it in there before. This does practice uh, Acts 4. Um, notice as I type something into this box, Logos intuitively says, okay, what do you want to look for? Because we can do a search on the topic of Acts in your library and find uh, articles and things on the book of Acts, 
Or what Logos does here is it says, here's the common subdivision. So if you don't know the exact place in Acts where you're going, the more that you type in, if you put Acts 4, here's the common subdivisions in Acts 4, so you can find the exact passage where you want to go if you're not sure where it is, or if you don't even know what book of the Bible it's in. But you remember in this passage, uh, John and Peter are talking before this group of people called the Sanhedrin. So I just put Sanhedrin in again. Logos says, okay, here are the different places where the Sanhedrin is mentioned. So enter the passage or the topic or a word to help you find the passage. Or if you know exactly where you want to go, you can say, I want to do Acts 4, 1 through 13. Two things. Enter pastor topic, click go. Logos goes into my library and put, brings together all the relevant information for me to dig deep on that passage. So you notice it opened five different translations. I can choose which five that I wanted to use the most. Um, opens them up instantly so I can kind of click and compare what they say. Um, the thing about the Bibles in the Logos software is you can read them like an e-Bible, you know, or like an electronic book or anything else. In fact, if I would just want to read it, I can actually put it in reading view where all I'm doing is reading the text and everything else blacks out. But one of the cool things is every word in every one of our Bibles has been tagged with all kinds of information to help you understand it quicker and easier. For instance, if I rest my cursor on the word speaking, as they were speaking, you notice the information window on the right updated with a definition from one of my Bible dictionaries of the word speaking. It also gave me the Greek word that's translated speaking here uh, with a pronunciation tool if I have a library that includes that. Know. Tells me the, the Greek word that's there. If I'm interested in knowing what type of word it is, a verb, present active, participle, all of that's available to me just by resting my cursor on the word. You know, again, as, as you're going through a passage of scripture, you have a word that you want more information on, you don't understand, you don't have to click anywhere, you don't have to move anywhere, you don't have to search anywhere. It's right there at your disposal. I can also bring some of that information in line by line for me, just with a click of a button and say, hey, I want to create my own interlinear of Greek and, and English or English and Hebrew if I'm in the Old Testament. You don't have to use it, but it's there if you want it, right? You have the information to do it. Over here on the left side, this is kind of like that stack of reports I was telling you about. So my team of research assistants went into my library and they said, hey, when you're studying this passage, um, you may want to refer uh, to some of these commentaries or study Bibles. And each one of these links um, opens up one of the commentaries and study Bibles already turned to this passage of scripture. So if I want to see what the Bible knowledge commentary says about John 4, 1 through 13, I can read it there. Apologetic study Bible is in here. It's already open to John 4, 1 through 13. And as I'm studying, like I said, it's, it's, a lot of it's just the time that would take to find the right book, the right page, the right chapter. I can actually be there instantly and spend that time reading it. Now in this, in this passage, if you're not familiar with it, Peter and John had just healed a man who was lame from birth. Right? And, and it was pretty amazing. Um, so amazing that it got some of the religious people, these Sadducees, like I said, if you're not familiar with who the Sadducees are, you rest your cursor on them, you get a dictionary entry on Sadducees. Origin of the Jewish sect definitely can be traced and those kind of things. They're upset because they're preaching to the people and not only are they preaching, but look what it says in verse 4, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So we have this massive revival, right, as Peter and John are preaching. So they get taken the next day before this group of elders, um, including Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas. So again, as I'm reading through this passage, doing just basic Bible study, I want to take time to observe, and as questions are coming to my mind, I can actually take notes on things. If, I, if there's something that I like in, in verse 6, and I, or I want more information, you know, who was Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas? In Lagos, you can actually just say, okay, let me add a note 
to that verse and it comes up and I can say, you know, if I want to come back and answer it later, you know, who was Caiaphas or somebody else like that? And, and then that way Logos becomes kind of my own uh, annotated study Bible and those notes become available on any computer that I load the software on. So I'm asking my questions, um, I'm finding the answers to my questions in my, uh, in my resources, my commentaries, things like that. Um, if I'm, uh, I should have opened this before, one of the other th nice things that Logos does is if I'm working on a report or a Bible study or something and I want to take something that I like in my program, in my Logos and put it into a paper that I'm working on, it's as easy as highlighting it, I copy it, I drop it over here and not only, whoops, let's see if I get it on pace this time, not only does it drop in what I had, but it actually footnotes it for me on the bottom. So I can see exactly where it's at and who was the person that was making these notes, J.P. Moreland and others, you know, depending who's in there. So that's a nice feature as I'm using the software. It kind of keeps me tied to my information. Some of the other reports that I really like that come up with, one is this uh, cross-references. You have a huge <coughs> book in your library called The Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. Over half a million cross-references. And probably the best interpreter of Scripture is usually Scripture itself. And we usually, a lot of us have Bibles with a thin column in the middle with tiny letters and numbers, right? And those are usually cross-references. And even though we know those are important for us to read, it just takes a lot of discipline to put my finger in the place where I'm studying and then flip to three or four different cross-references to kind of learn that, right? So what Logos does, it says, hey, we're going to print out the five most relevant cross-references so you don't have to go anywhere to get them. And, it's saying, and this resource says the most important one is Psalm 118 the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Then you can read about other things that are mentioned in the passage. If you want more than just the top five, this next page shows you hyperlinks to all the other cross-references uh, for this passage. And again, if I, if I rest my cursor on them, I can, I can read them quickly. But now you have no excuse but to read at least five, right? Why is Psalm 118 so important? Well, if we go back to our passage, um, when Peter and John come before this group of elders, the Sanhedrin, um, what does Peter say? It says, Peter then filled with the Holy Spirit. If I wanted more information on that verb filled, I could say, oh, it's the Greek word, pimple me. I move on, but it says, filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Now look at verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now you could read that passage, and it seems like a pretty bold statement, right, for Peter to make it, but then when you realize that he's quoting the Hebrew Bible from Psalm 118 to a group... <laughs> of the Sanhedrin, the most educated elite uh, Jewish religious leaders of his day, and he's quoting to them their Bible. And he's saying, you, the builders rejected, Jesus, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, makes that statement a little more powerful, doesn't it? That this Galilean fisherman is quoting it to this group. So you have your cross-references. Some of the other tools that you have at your disposal, Parallel passages would open harmonies of the Gospels. You have a handout tool that will create a four-page handout that you can just hit print. Have something to hand to a small group or a Bible study you're, you're leading. People, places, and things are some of my favorite tools in the software because they really help me understand context. 
One of the hurdles that people have to get over when it comes to Bible study is we have to remember that the things that we're reading about happen a long way away at an, at a time a long time ago, right? So we need to understand who are the people and the things and the places that we're talking about. So Logos has built a database of all the people names that occur in Scripture, over 3,600 proper names. When one of them occurs in my passage, um, I'll have a link to them over here, and if I want to get more information, say, on Caiaphas, I click on them, and Logos actually custom builds a report for me on Caiaphas. So a little bit of information, thumbnail of information here, links to my dictionary articles to give me more information about who he is. Um, if I'm on the internet, it'll actually take me to a Wikipedia article if there is one. Not for scholarly information, <laughs> but the Wikipedia article can give me an idea what public perception is of a Bible character. It also shows me down here how he relates to the other people in Scripture where his name is mentioned. And this is nice because knowing about a person is a lot more than just knowing who they are. It's knowing how they relate to the other names that we've seen. So again, a part of the Sanhedrin uh, related to Caiaphas and John. And remember, this John... It's not John the Baptist or John the Disciple. This is John, a member of the family of high priests. So again, it can help you keep your Johns in order in the New Testament. And these are also interactive charts. So if I said, well, how about give me more information on Jesus? Just click on them in my chart, and it'll automatically update with information about Jesus. And what's going on down here? These are all the places in Scripture where Jesus' name is mentioned. So I can see how he relates to the other people where he's mentioned. One of the coolest places to look at that is the very first uh, book of the New Testament in Matthew, where we have this long list of names, right? And sometimes it's hard for a person to read for the first time through 17 verses of name after name after name. Why did the Holy Spirit inspire Matthew to put this long list of names in there? To help the Jewish readers, again, Matthew was writing his gospel primarily for the Jewish people, connect Jesus to Abraham, right? Put him in context. So as you look at a, a family tree, you see Abraham and you see names like Boaz and Ruth and Obed, and you can walk through how they go. And then you see, ah, that's how Jesus fits in with everything else. And again, if you wanted more information about one of the people in this chart, you just click on them. So it's the network of information that helps you understand who the people are that are being talked about in the passage and how they fit with other people in scripture. The biblical things tool Works pretty much the same way, but now we're talking about a database of place names. So again, a lot of us have Bibles with these beautiful full-color maps in the back, but sometimes the leap is going from the passage I'm studying to figuring out the map that fits what I'm studying, right? So in Logos, if a place name is mentioned, like when it says Jesus of Nazareth, it will create a report for me on the place Nazareth. So basic information, uh, dictionary articles in my library. These are all the maps in my library that include Nazareth. And these maps are pretty neat because as I zoom in on them, the, uh, the scale changes. So as I zoom in on Nazareth here, being scalable, it means that if I want to know how far it is from Nazareth to Capernaum, I can actually just uh, hold my control key down and click and drag. And again, this helps me with context. It's about 20 miles as the crow flies between places in this map. So all my maps are, are put together. Um, these are interactive too, so if I want information about another place, say I want information on Capernaum, I can just click on it in my map, updates with information about that place and the other maps where that one occurs. You'll also notice up in the right corner, uh, Google Earth coordinates are loaded in these maps. So if I'm on the internet, I can actually click and go straight to a, a map of see what Capernaum looks like today. And it'll take me to a map, I can choose satellite image if I want. So again, a great tool just to integrate my maps into my study without me having to page through the back of my Bible to find one. Oh, the, the charts in these maps also are set up for teaching purposes. If you right-click on them, 
You can copy and paste, save them as image files, or drop them straight to uh, PowerPoint or Keynote if you're using the Mac. So kind of optimize for teaching purposes as well. Uh, the, the last one when I talk about context is the things tool. So again, this is a little more random because what are some things in the passage I might want more information on? If I want to go into my library and get more information on what it meant to be a cornerstone, it'll, it'll take me to pictures of that, or being in prison, or in this case it mentions Herod's temple. So I could click on an illustration like this and it shows me here's some of the different pictures of Herod's temple, or this, this is Herod's second temple, and I can get straight to information, help me visualize what that place looked like. This one's really relevant for our study because here's an artist's uh, impression of the Sanhedrin. So it shows me where in the temple they most likely met. And then when I look at this picture, again, it helps to, to give me an idea. What was it like for a Galilean fisherman with no formal education to stand in front of a group of 70 of the most educated, spiritually elite, religious elders and make this speech where he says, you want to know how we did this miracle? It was by Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead, the, the cornerstone that you, the builders, rejected, has become the cornerstone. Took some guts for him to stand up and do that, didn't it? So then when we, we come back and we read verse 13, we say, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. It kind of brings that boldness to life a little bit when we start to really see that in context and what was going on. You've got a hymn library in there, and since we have sound clicked in, I might as well. So if this, uh, you know, a lot of times scripture verses are associated with hymns. You know, the church is one foundation, probably because it talks about Jesus, uh, the cornerstone. So if you want to do, uh, get, go straight to sheet music on one of those hymns or play the MIDI file just to see if it's there, you've got access to that. You've also got lists of topics that have been tagged to this passage. So again, Logos has gone in and tagged the passage and said, as you're studying this, you may want more information about chief priests because they're mentioned. It'll take you to a topical Bible to give you more links or a cornerstone because that's mentioned. So these are links to help you jump straight to topics you may want more information on. Uh, this, this chart actually is a visual comparison of these five Bible translations. Again, the graphical comparison doesn't do a whole lot for me, but this one's kind of nice. Um, the, text comparison tool will actually uh, take those five translations and show me word by word exactly where they differ and actually calculates a difference so I can see if two English translations are different um, I can see which words are different I may tell me which ones I'm, I want to I want to know exactly maybe what the Greek or Hebrew word is since translators are are divided on what that word should be these last few uh, reports on the bottom uh, you do have to be on the internet to use these, nothing else in the software you do, but it'll actually suggest some uh, PowerPoint slides if you're teaching it in some capacity, and it'll take you to some databases of audio sermons if you want to listen to somebody preach on the passage, or um, sermon manuscript database if you want to read what somebody else has, has said on the passage. Sometimes really interesting for application, see how they've uh, applied that. Now if you're a pastor, that feature gets locked up on Saturday night to make sure you don't just steal a sermon for Sunday morning. I'm, that's a joke. That doesn't really happen. They're there. But um, just a ton of tools. And here's what's cool. If you remember, take you back a little, what are the two things I had to do to get all that? Enter the passage and click go. I haven't set anything else up in the software. I just entered the passage and click go. Those reports were made for me. Now you can go deeper. That's what this guy right here is, is an exegetical guide. Um, exegesis is a big fancy word that means to pull meaning out. 
and it's as opposed to eisegesis, which means to read meaning in, and we try not to read meaning in to the Bible when we're studying it. We try to pull meaning out. So this is a list of reports that'll help me take the passage apart piece by piece to pull meaning out. So again, these are a lot, some more of the Greek and Hebrew um, language tools. This is a word by word, uh, basically a word study on all the words in my passage. It actually did a mini word study on all of them in just a couple seconds. So every word in 13 verses. Um, again, there's that word speaking again, laleo, links to the um, whatever lexicons or dictionaries I have in my library included right there. Um, see if I can zoom in on this a little bit. This is kind of cool too because it'll actually show me how many times that word occurs in the New Testament, 295. And each of these uh, graphs show me how many times it occurs in each book of the Bible. If I zoom out and rest my cursor on it, it'll actually show me how many times it occurs in each book. Now when there's a word I really want to go deeper on, like the word boldness, I want to know what it meant when they said they saw the boldness of Peter and John. I can also right click on it and I can search for that word in my library with just one click or I can say, okay, here's the Greek word that's been translated boldness. Will you do a, bio, a detailed Bible word study for me on that word? Logos instantly creates a Bible word study. Again, this word occurs 31 times in the New Testament. This shows me how many times it occurs in each book. These are links to uh, definitions of the word in, Greek, um, in my Greek dictionaries. This is what I like best about our word studies because this shows me the different English words that are sometimes also used to translate the Greek word parousia. So just by seeing how it's used in the text, I can get an idea of what this means when it says it's boldness. You know, it's about a quarter of the time it's translated boldness, but it's also sometimes confidence or courage, those kinds of words. It tells me, okay, this is what it is. And if I want to see those in context, I just click on a section of that word ring and it actually looks them up for me. It says, here's the places where parousia is boldness. Um, we know our place in Acts 14. I may want to compare that to uh, when the translators use confidence. You know, another occurrence in Acts, uh, Luke uses the same word, but they translate it confidence. I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David. Um, in Hebrews, the same word when it says confidence down here. If we hold fast our confidence uh, and our boasting and our hope. So you may or may not want to go super deep into the Greek and Hebrew. But if you do, you've got the power tool to help you dig deep and do it pretty fast and pretty effectively. And again, these are the kind of the, the things that, you know, if it was left to me to try to dig deep, you know, maybe I would do it on one word at a time, you know, a week if I had that much time. But with the power tool, man, if I feel like God's calling me to dig deep on a couple different ones, I can kind of quickly and easily and go for it from there. Um, also, some incredibly powerful search tools. If there's words that I want to look at, look up in my whole library, I can search my whole library in a couple seconds. Say I wanted to see where the word uh, Trinity occurs in all the books in my library. In a couple seconds, Logos first finds me where Trinity is the topic, the head word in, in articles. So I can read articles on the Trinity. Or it went ahead and looked up the almost 4,000 results in every other book in my library. So it's a super powerful search engine for my library. But it's even better when it comes to searching Bibles, because it's kind of like a concordance on steroids. You know the concordance in the back of your Bible, right? You can look up one word in one translation. That's pretty much the limitations of a print concordance. In Logos, you could say, well, how about, let me look up the word love in the book of Ephesians, but I want to look up in five Bibles at the same time, because I can't remember exactly uh, which translation I'm trying to think of. You know, so it looks up the word love in all those translations. 
if I want five, six, seven Bibles at the same time. So like I said, kind of a concordance on stories. If I want to look up a whole phrase like in Christ, or I want to look up the verses where the words Jesus and blood occur in the same verse, it'll look those up for me as well. So incredibly powerful search tools. All at your, all at your disposal. And like I said, also made in such a way that they're intuitive and easy to use, to dig deep. Um, when we're, oops, let me go back in there. We get back in here. So we say we're doing our Bible study. We get to the last verse and we say, okay, we've taken some time to read it, observe it. We've taken some time to do some investigation, learn the different parts of the text. Um, now we need to interpret it, right? And say, okay, what is, what is, what is, uh, how does this speak to me? You know, what does the passage say? And, and, you know, this could be different for different people, but when we say, what does it mean for Peter and John to have this kind of boldness to speak out, to give that kind of testimony? Um, what was the source of this? And that's where we might read and say, well, uh, the people perceived that they were uneducated. So we say, well, it probably wasn't their education. You know, the Greek word that's translated uneducated here is this uh, agramatos. And then it says they were common men. So it wasn't that they had some kind of elite status. And what is the Greek word that's translated common? Idiotes. Did you catch that? Idiotes. They were idiotes. Right? They, were un they were uneducated idiotes. You know, so that wasn't it. But what was it? It says, they were uneducated, come and they were astonished because why? They recognized that these guys had been with Jesus. So again, as you're doing Bible study, uh, regardless of what tool you have, you say, maybe I want to highlight that so I can uh, come back to it. You say, regardless of what tools you go to dig deep, what my encouragement to you is, don't, you can't stop there, right? Knowledge is not the end of itself. We say when we understand this passage, when we understand it in context, when we get a good grasp of the main key words, um, the next step is to say, okay, what is it saying? You know, and as I read this passage, it's saying, hey, um, if you want to be bold for Christ, and think about, <laughs> think about Luke's original audience too, right? Because uh, the Holy Spirit's inspiring Luke to write the book of Acts. He's writing it uh, in, the, in the new church, you know, that is facing persecution, you know, the church that's facing all kinds of pressures and probably would find it hard to stand up and be bold for their faith. So he records, the Holy Spirit has Luke record this instance where he says, hey, Peter and John had that, this parasia, this kind of holy boldness where they stood in front of this group of Sanhedrin, these elders, and uh, they just proclaimed the gospel. They said, man, Jesus, you know, that you crucified, that God raised from the dead. That's the gospel. You know, the cornerstone that you, the builders, rejected has become the cornerstone. And what gave them that boldness? It wasn't their education. It wasn't their, their background or their status. But it's this last one, right? It's that people could recognize their testimony that they had been with Jesus. Now, regardless of what your background is or your education, you say, man, what is it in my life where people would look at me and they'd say, oh, no, that person's been, that person knows Jesus. That person's been Jesus. And man, if you've got a testimony of knowing Christ, then man, God's called you to stand up too in whatever venue you're at. So we say, okay, we've taken some time to interpret. Now we've got to do application, right? Don't just be uh, hearers of the word and not doers. So we say, what does it look like in my at school where I'm at, at work where I'm at, in my family for uh, people to know that, I've, that I know Christ you know, and to have the boldness to stand up for him? That's a quick rundown of the software. Um, like I said, in about 35 minutes, not too bad. Um, what I like to do, take a couple minutes just to kind of show you, um, I apologize in advance, this is kind of the sales pitch. I'm just going to show you what 
is available as far as bundles of software. And then for the last kind of 15 minutes, whatever we have, if there's specific questions or things that you'd like to see in the software, I'll take you, I'll take you there, but take you back to my uh, PowerPoint presentation. Um, if you go to the table that I set up tonight down there, there's actually two order forms. Uh, the conference pricing on all our bundles is 20% off what you'd find them online. The retail price, if you're a uh, full-time student or faculty, it's actually there's a second form that says student. It's actually 30% off. So the prices on these slides are 20% off, so it's a little bit more for a student. Um, you can buy the books in a Logos library individually, one at a time on our website. The engine that runs them is actually free. If you buy one book, you get the engine that it runs in and you can read it. But as you can see, the power of it is having to be able to bring all the information together to build those reports and the things like that. So usually you want to start with a bundle of books. A Bible study library is about 275 books. Um, includes pretty much everything I showed you tonight. It doesn't include some of the more high-end Greek and Hebrew tools. Um, but you can still see how a word's used in, in the text and things like that. Uh, great, it has all the maps, charts, commentaries, translations. Um, with the 20% discount, it makes it $211.96, or if you paid for it over 12 months, 24 bucks a month. Like I said, the academic would be a little less than that. If you want to add about 75 books to your library, there's a leader's bundle. Has everything that's in Bible study, adds about 75 books that are more aimed at church leadership issues or uh, interests, not just Bible reference, but things like how to lead small groups, fresh ideas for ministry, for youth ministry, teaching illustrations, those kind of things come in at the leader's level. You can see the pricing on that. The jump up from there and the one I actually demoed tonight, although I didn't use a lot of the Greek and Hebrew tools, is a scholar's library. That includes about another $3,000 worth of books that are a lot of the same text you would, be, you would be required to buy if you took Greek or Hebrew at the college or seminary level. It, so it kind of equips you to do pretty much any of the Greek and Hebrew work that you want, to not only look for a word, but maybe you want to see when that word is used in the imperative tense as a command. You can do those kind of uh, searches in your library. Um, ten volume Kittle's Theological Dictionary of New Testament Words, so these massive works. But a scholar's library you can see with 20% off is $503.96 or $51 a month. We do have bigger libraries. I'm just going to click through them quickly. If you have questions, come, you can come talk to me at the table tonight. But each level adds some multi-volume commentary sets. Uh, again, 31-volume New American Commentary in Silver, 37-volume All the Writings of the Early Church Fathers, tagged to work in our format. So if you don't really feel like you might want to sit and read somebody that lived in the first century just for fun, but it might be interesting to see if they commented on a passage that you're studying, you can go straight to it in that, in that library. Uh, the Gold Library adds another set of commentaries and the Platinum, the big one. So as you can see, you can spend as much money as you want on books or find the bundle that fits you and then you can add books by your favorite authors or titles one at a time. Last couple things on the software. It is, you buy one license and it's multi-platform, which is kind of cool. So you don't have, if you own a Mac and a PC, or five different computers. You only need one license. You can load it on all of them. Um, it'll, it runs the same on a Mac as it does a PC. They sync together. Um, you can also get access to your resources through an iPhone, iPad, or now the Droid app is free. So if you have a Droid phone or iPhone, you go to the App Store, Droid Marketplace, download the app for free, sign in with your email address, and you get access to, uh, to your books and some basic search tools, even on the mobile devices. So look at what your library looks like. You can even do many, many word studies right on your, you know, make sure your pastor is giving you the right word when he translates something, touch and hold on it. Does a quick, uh, does a quick word study so you can keep them honest. Um, 
Couple other things, uh, it is individually licensed because the books in your library, some of them are public domain, but a lot of them are owned by publishers, so it's kind of like music. You own that book, you can load it across any machine you use, if you have 10 computers loaded on all 10, but it is for you, specifically. Um, the cloud backs everything up, so if you take notes or you do highlighting, that all gets backed up and it syncs to the other computers that you use, which is kind of nice. Um, and then if your computer crashes for some reason, you could go to Best Buy, buy a brand new computer, put in your email address and password, your library is just the way you left it the last time you synced it with the internet, which is kind of nice. And then I just mentioned it's, uh, it works in all the different platforms. This is all, Biblia.com is also a place if you just want to read one of your books online somewhere, you don't have it loaded on any computer, you can go and sign in with your email address and read your books there. Uh, second to last slide, use any of those bundles for 30 days. If you're not getting your value out of it, you have an 800 number you can call. You don't have to ship anything back. They just deactivate your account and uh, refund it in full. I mentioned the 12-month uh, payment options. So again, even some of those larger libraries are, are pretty doable at $24 a month or $30 a month. This is one of the things that really sets our company apart is customer service. Um, about over 40 employees now that work in customer service they live in Bellingham, Washington, so it's the same time zone as here, right? And um, live in the United States, communicate very clearly, and everything's like right there, and they can help you anytime that you want. And there's free video tutorials online. I do have discs on hand, and it's basically, if you wanted to get uh, a package while you're here, you're basically just filling out an order form, and you're good to go. One last slide with a pretty good quote on it. Dr. Howard Hendricks says, uh, most people know enough, we know enough to own a Bible, but we don't know enough for the Bible to own us. That's one of our says, oh man, we know enough to own it, right? We walk around with it, we come to church, we have the Bible, but until we really dig in, until we really understand, that's when the Bible starts owning us and shaping us and how we live. So let me take, yeah, I did pretty good. Let me take uh, in the last few minutes to answer some questions right here, and then we'll move it around. Yes? Um, I'm a pastor. Uh, she's my, uh, my, my, my trusted consort, 25 years. Um, so uh, I'm working on something over here, and she's working on a project for women's ministry. Can she use Logos uh, to be able to augment her women's ministry uh, studies right. while, so, I'm doing, while I'm doing yeah. my... So the question is that licensing for a family unit, if both people in the family can use it, and the answer is yes. So the EULA agreement is written, you get one, you get one ID, but you can both use it, and you can both be online at the same time with it. And when we talk about the licensing agreement, the Logos goes by the, uh, you know, the biblical concept of one flesh, right? So if you're married and you're in the same family, you're not breaking the agreement, but if you're both using the same, the same license. You could create your own, you could still create your own your own reading plans for yourself and have access to them. But within the family unit, uh, multiple people can use the one ID to use it. Yes? Did you have a question? Uh, yeah, sure. I was wondering if you could, if, you know, it had certain Greek words that were read out loud, but does it read like passages out loud, like in English or Greek? It will, it will read, it will read text out loud to you, but it's using voice or text to voice software. So it's not like, if I use this, if I click read aloud, it'll do it, but it's not like a nice, smooth performance of the software. Once you, once you actually read it and record it as a performance, it actually becomes like its own 
it's like buying music almost or an audiobook. So it does have the read aloud feature. There is a, a Greek New Testament that you can purchase to go into the software. We'll read the Greek text for you. But it doesn't have just audio Bibles or books kind of built in. So are there any renewal fees? Like you said, it backups your stuff on the cloud. And so, I mean, three years into it, do you have to pay a renewal fee? Or is it you get that? Nope. You, you buy your books, and you own those books for life. There's no ongoing subscription fees or anything else like that. I mean, it's not inexpensive software, but part of what you're investing in when you buy a package is the support that the company is going to give you ongoing that you don't, you don't have to pay for. So, so no, 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 no renewal fees. When mm -hmm. you go up to Logos 5 or Logos 6, what kind of upgrades? I mean. Right. So the, the question is, what happens when it upgrades? This is Logos 4. Um, you never lose the access that you have to your books right now. So like between Logos 3 and Logos 4, they built some, some new databases and some different things. And if you didn't want any new books, you didn't have to upgrade. You could still use your books, the functionality you had it. If you just wanted to keep your same books, but add the functionality, it was like a $59 cross grade. But keep in mind, um, the company's been around for 20 years, and this is Logos 4. So it's not one of those things where like every year is 4, 5, 6. You know, okay. Microsoft Word 12 or whatever you have on, on every word. So it's not, it's not like that. But if you do want the new functionality, there's, there's a minimal cross-grade option. Or you could say, hey, I want the whole new Scholars Library where they've added new books and yeah, all kinds of ways to, to upgrade. But you never have to. You never lose access to your books. If you didn't want to use, them, use any of the new features, you could continue to use them. And it would be supported by the company. Yes? Is there anything like uh, comparable in terms of anything like There's several competitors um, out there. Oh, I shouldn't say several. There's a handful of them. Um, and there are some free tools online that you can use. Um, Logos has a few free ones, too. I mean, if you, go, if you download the iPhone or the Droid app, you can actually use it for free. It gives you access to about 40 resources that you can, some Bibles that have been made free and some public domain commentaries. When you own a bundle, you get access to all the books that you own, which is nice, including the ones that are paid. But you can, you can use that for free. Some other tools uh, online that are free are um, like Bible Gateway is a great tool if you haven't seen that with Bibles that you can search, things like that. You can also do some of that at biblia.com. Like I said, without having a paid account, you can still get access to about 40 books there. Uh, Blue Letter Bible is another free website where you can do um, some basic searching and things like that. Um, there are other Bible software companies like BibleWorks or Accordance that do a lot of the same things that our software does. And they're, they're all good software. I mean, some of it's just a matter of, hey, which one suits my needs best, or the tools are put together in the way that I can, I can access them. Like I said, it's, uh, it's like a power tool. So you, know, you decide which, uh, do you want the Makita drill, or you know, which, which one do you want? Um, one of the things that does set our company apart right now is being able to make the, the resources multi-platform. There's not another company that does that right now. So you can buy one license and get it on Mac and PC and mobile devices at the same time. And then the breadth of resources, with over 13,000 titles and growing, um, ours is the largest library of Bible study resources right now. So there's a, a, which more doesn't always mean better. It just means there's, there's a better chance, because we work with so many publishers, that you would be able to find the authors and the titles that you want um, in, our, in our library. Yes? I've been a QuickBurst customer for 12, 
13 years. Um, and I was really, really happy with QuickBooks up until this last uh, change. Right. Uh, this last change really, I don't, I, I don't like the way that formatting everything is, is, is totally changed on it. And, and then uh, uh, I had a buddy of mine who's my, actually my associate pastor, said you should go for logos. Um, is there a tutorial? Is there a tutorial? It'll take me from, because I'm, I'm totally quick verse knowledge based. Right. Is there a tutorial that's going to take me to go from that over to logos and, and, and get used to the logos and more comfortable with right. it as I'm trying to fly and, sure. and go through? And then my second question is sermon builder. Mm -hmm. Once I get done with all this research, is there a way to be able to put it all together for one sermon? or to be able to get it together for a presentation. Right, so questions are uh, learning the software and then kind of putting it together for a sermon or a lesson builder. So learning the software, you have a couple different options. Um, I mean, there's somebody mentioned before, there's two-day camps you can go to if you want to invest the time and money to sit in a camp and learn it, and they're awesome. There's also a lot of free stuff, though, to learn it. Right in the, um, in the help menu of the software is a link to go to a, see if my connection's working all right. On our website, we actually have a whole page full of video tutorials where you choose the platform you're using it on, Windows, Mac, or mobile device, and it'll actually um, give you for free. You can watch two, three-minute videos on all introductions and all the different tools. So you can kind of learn it at your pace and learn the features that are most interesting to you at your pace, which is nice. So it's kind of both and. There is training you can purchase that's a more systematic way of walking through it. Or for free, you can kind of take yourself through it and you'll watch programmers point and click. So it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. It's also pretty intuitive to use. So I think you'll find yourself, if you used Bible software before, you'll be able to get into it pretty easily. Um, as far as uh, Sermon Builder and thing like that, um, we do have a couple things you can do there. We do have a feature within the software where you can actually take anything that you've created, like your own sermon files or things like that, Microsoft Word, and it's just called Personal Books. And you can actually import your sermons and things like that into your program that they become searchable books like the other ones that you're doing. Um, there's, there's not like a tool in itself that will kind of create the sermon for you. I mean, you'll kind of put, mm -hmm. put that in for, I, I don't know if you were here, there is that handout tool, which is a nice thing to be able to hand out to people. Um, we have a couple of files, note-taking files, as well as clippings or personal things that you can kind of create. Mm -hmm. And like some people will put their, some pastors will put their sermons right in one of those note files with the passage that they're studying, and that becomes searchable and sticks with it. So anytime they come back to this passage, you know, if I had my sermon outline, uh, where, where did we make that before? You know, where we made the, uh, where we made the notes before, it would be accessible to me the next time that I came to it. And you can actually copy and paste a whole chunk of sermon outline right into those note files. So a couple options to do that. Like I said, if you're used to making it in Microsoft Word, that personal book tool is kind of nice because now my whole sermon archive becomes searchable and it actually recognizes verse references. So when I hover on them, it pops up for me and things like that. So there's a way that you can... Uh, saves to the cloud. Yeah, library? exactly. So yeah, the personal so books will personal link to it. Library is in the cloud. If you add it to so your resources are local, right? Um, and the things that you do, your personally created files like notes and highlights and things like that, they sync with other computers through the cloud. So right now, 
I'm connected to the internet. I don't know if you can see these little arrows. It's hard. They're kind of washed up there. But that just synced everything I did today. So when I go home and I open up my computer, all the notes or highlights, things that I did, are present on that computer too. So it'll sync them, it'll sync them together. But I don't have to be on the internet to use them. That's important to remember. On my device, if I don't have internet connection, I can still use my books, I can still search them, I can still do everything else. Well, yeah, one more question maybe, and then I'll, I'll let you guys go so you can get to the... Um, is the 30% discount for students, is that only for this conference, or is that that the, the conference discount uh, is supposed to be tagged to this event, but the student discount, if you're interested, you can't do it online by yourself, but if you grab one of my business cards and you call me later, as long as you're a student, I can still offer that, that student discount. And I have uh, business cards and information on the table. I, I think it's in the lobby right now, but it may move out into the courtyard when it stops raining. So um, thank you for your time very much. Like I said, love to answer any other questions. Standing down at the table the rest of the night. Biola University offers a variety of biblically-centered degree programs, ranging from business to ministry to the arts and sciences. Visit biola.edu to find out how Biola could make a difference in your life.